Amen. As I have said before, what this world does not need is more of Mark's opinions. What you don't need is Mark's opinions. What you need is the truth from the Word of God. You need the love of Jesus. We each and every one need what Jesus has to say. In church, this may pop some bubbles, but the world doesn't need your opinion either. The world needs to see your reflection of Jesus Christ. And for many in this day and age, that's not what we've been reflecting. We say we love God and we bring a reflection of others that honestly is divisive and hateful and spiteful. We have to share Jesus. And the only way that we'll do that is to realize that there's something beyond where we may be in the moment. There's something that God wants to recenter us, to refocus us on, to realize who we are in Christ and really begin to embrace that. Amen. Help us, Lord. Rather than who we are in the God in the mirror. I want to share with you something that's going to help you with this. It may seem awfully simple. How many of you know the simple things are not always the easy things? But God has something very simple that he wants to share with us that I want to share with you, that I believe God is speaking to us out of Luke's investigation of Jesus in Luke chapter 4. We're going to finish Luke chapter 4 today. Amen. If you have your uh, app, you can go to the app and you can follow along. I've put notes in there and it'll uh, help you to fill in the blanks and there's, you know, just can help to keep you engaged and follow along with the scriptures. We're going to look this weekend. I started last weekend in Luke chapter 4, looking at verses 42 through 44. And last weekend, we talked about the lifestyle of Jesus. And we'll talk about that over the next few weeks, even as we get into Luke chapter 5. One of the things that, that, honestly, this investigation is supposed to do is to help us to look a little bit deeper into the Word. And, and you know, sometimes it's really easy to be superficial with what we see and to look a little bit deeper. Uh, I, I told First Service, one of the things I love about the Chosen, the, the series The Chosen, one of the things I love about that is it helps me, even though I, you know, I may not agree with all the specifics that are there, you know, again, we all have that own you know, we, we idea of what that might have looked like. But at least it helps us to see the lifestyle of Jesus, that Jesus really did have a lifestyle he lived. He's not just, I mean, he is the words on the page, but he's not just the words on the page. He's much deeper than that. He is a, a lifestyle. And so we need to look at, because he is the one in whom we are to uh, uh, look to as our, our, our guide in this world, we're supposed to look into him, be transformed unto his image. We should see in his lifestyle then, how did he live? How did he live? What did he do? Why did he do what he did? What did Jesus give himself to? And what does that mean to me? We have to be willing to ask ourselves some of these questions when we look at Jesus. Otherwise, we're just going to have a superficial, non-life-changing, non-lifestyle-changing opinion of Jesus. We have to see the truth because Christianity is absolutely a belief system. But if that's all it is, we could argue about whether you're born again or not. I'm not the judge of that, please. I'm not trying to. 
But our belief system should change our lifestyle. It should absolutely change our lifestyle. We don't change our lifestyle so that we can be saved, but we do, because we're saved, we do change our lifestyle. Our lifestyle should be transforming unto the image of Christ because Christianity truly is a lifestyle and it needs to be something that is lived out because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came to this world and he lived his life before us so that we could see his lifestyle and begin to emulate his lifestyle, to live as he lived. And we don't always like that. Because he did stuff that most of us or many of us are really uncomfortable doing. Don't really like. Don't really want to. Those are your choices. But again, I want to serve the Lord. So I want to do it his way. And I want to share with you again, continuing in from what we did last week. Last week we talked about this, about Jesus' lifestyle. And one of the things in Jesus' lifestyle, his lifestyle was the pouring out of his life in ministry. Jesus poured his life out in ministry. Today, we sometimes think of ministry and we think of just the church. Well, then my ministry is just at the church. Listen, your ministry isn't in the church. Your ministry is in your lifestyle. And your lifestyle should be to pour out Christ, to pour yourself out, to pour your life out for the sake of the ministry that God has called you to. And every single one of you are called to ministry and you're called to minister right where you are, right in that place of work, right in that place where you are in your family, in your home, in the place that you go, everywhere. God has called you to ministry. Come on, amen? Again, we we have to understand that. And Jesus poured himself out. He poured his life out. Jesus gave himself fully and completely to the ministry or to this, to the glory of God and serving others. Do you really, I mean, do you realize that Jesus' lifestyle, and you won't like this, but Jesus' lifestyle really had nothing to do with his own pleasures it had to do, honestly, he did what he did. Joni said this while we were in big, he said, isn't it amazing that God won the victory and calls us victors? Isn't that just amazing that Jesus did those things for us? And he's called us in the same way to be those who are willing to live our lives for the glory of God and for the service of others. Are you willing to look at the things that you do and put them into those categories? Is this to the glory of God? Or is this in serving others? Most of us can't even fathom that. How could I do that? Hey, nothing is impossible for those who are in Christ. And Jesus did that. He poured himself out. Jesus has just had this amazing, incredibly busy day. We talked about how exhausting that would have been last weekend. And uh, again, I'm not going to go back through these a lot, but you can watch that from last week. And Jesus, after he had poured himself out, he went and he got into a time of rest and recovery and solitude. He went and set himself apart. And I used this illustration of fasting. I talked about, and again, fasting is food. Please, biblically, fasting is food. I'm just using this as an illustration. But that time of of, of silence and recovery for you and I, what that looks like is us, we're fasting or stepping back from, stepping away from people and crowds and hurry and worry and busyness and noise and activity and and technology and all that stuff. Listen, it's not just getting away because we hate people. Not stepping back because we're sick of people. Listen, if that's where you're at, you've waited too long. 
We step back so that we don't get to that place because we love people. We love God's people. We love the church. We love the people of God. And we want to have plenty for them. I want to be filled up so that when I come into a place of need with one of my beloved, I'm going to have that ability to pray. I'm going to have that ability to reach out. I'm going to have that ability to do whatever I can do to help in that time because I love my fellow believers, the body of Christ. And so we step back. Listen, that time of stepping back, and I'm going to say it this way, don't take it out of context, but it's not for pleasure. It's not just for your pleasure. It's for your filling up. It's where you just take the time to go and stop everything that's going on around you so that you can be refilled with God so that he can fill you up, that he can just pour out his spirit into you and do something. Listen, church, this time of silence and solitude, it only happens on purpose. Doesn't happen by accident. You set yourself aside to do that. And it's not necessarily about you. It's about taking the time to let God fill you so that God can use you. We talked about all of that last week. And this week, I just want to simply move into this, this next thing in the scripture that we're going to read here in just a moment, where Jesus does this. In his life, what Jesus did, all, you'll see it all through his life, Jesus pursues after his calling, not his potential. He pursues after, this is what Jesus did. He pursues his calling, not his potential. And I'll explain to you what I'm talking about here as we read the scripture. In verse 42 of Luke chapter 4. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. So again, Jesus had been through this day. I mean this busy, busy day. He had, not even just a day. I'm sure it had been a period of time. I don't really know exactly how long. But a period of time where Jesus was just go, 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 go. And he's at this point right now where he, he just needs to, to get into a desolate place. He just knows the need. I am emptied out. And Lord, I, I need to go to my Father. And so he departed and he went into a desolate place. And what did the people do? The people sought after him. They sent out search parties looking for Jesus while Jesus is just trying to have some quiet alone time. Why were the people trying to find him? Because they had needs in their life. Because they found someone that could meet those needs in their life. And it says they sought after him and they came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. And he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that your word contains life, that your word can do what no man can. And I pray that today, Lord, your word would touch the hearts of each and every one that's here. Lord, you knew what the scriptures would be. You knew the word, Lord, that you would share with each and every heart today. And I pray that each and every heart would be open to you, open to what you have to say, open to what it is, Lord, you desire to bring. And I pray, God, that we would allow ourselves to be changed and transformed, Lord, not by the words of a man, but by the power of the word of the living God. Lord, your word is alive. Your word is active. Your word is able. Minister, Lord. Separate those things from the world, from the things of the spirit. Do it in us today. In Jesus' name. Amen.
So Jesus comes back from this time of, of solitude, this time where he's just been off and he's allowed God, the Father, to just fill him back up. And he comes back, and what do the people do? The people are seeking him out, and the people just want, they just want to bring this to-do list. They've got all these things. Okay, Jesus, you can this and you can that. Jesus, we saw you, we saw you heal people, Jesus. So we're, we've got this hospital over here formed for you so that you can just heal all these people. And Jesus, we know that you cast out demons, so over here, we've got a line of demon-possessed people that need to be healed and delivered, that need to be set free. So Jesus, we've got this all set up for you. And Jesus, you preach like nobody we have ever heard before. You're the best preacher that we have ever heard. So we set up in Capernaum the stadium, and it's all ready to go. Everything's there. All you need to do is just come show up. It's plugged in. We are ready to go, Jesus. Are you ready? Come on, Jesus. Let's roll. Let's do this thing we got all these plans and all this stuff you know what they were doing in that moment they were just wanting to define his job description they were trying to tell him what you're going to do lord you're going to set up shop here in capernaum and we're going to get a hospital right here and right next to that we're going to get this this mega church it's going to be amazing we're going to touch the world through this and jesus says no not going to happen not not going to do that well, why did Jesus say no? I mean, the people, I, uh, the people had, I mean, St. Jesus Children's Hospital all set up. Why did he say no? All these people lined up for deliverance, demon-possessed people. Why did he say no? It, it's certainly not because these are bad things. These are perfectly good things. But church, listen, they just were not the things that Jesus was called to by the Father. Yes, Wasn't what Jesus was called to do. And he makes, here he makes his calling very clear. The only way that he could make his calling very clear was to be very clear about his calling. Amen. And so he says this. He says, that scripture back up there. He says in there, he says, I must preach. I mean, that's what he was called to do. And he says, for I was sent. Jesus knew in those, just those two statements, he knew what he was called to do. I must preach and I was sent. You know what Jesus was when he was in the flesh here in this world? Yes, obviously he came to be the Messiah and all of those things, obviously. But in the flesh, he was a preaching missionary. I came to preach, I was sent. This is what he was called to do, and he knew that. And what he was saying is, listen, I'm not against healing, but I'm not going to set up St. Jesus' Children's Hospital. I'll pray for people along the way, and I'll bring healing along the way, but I'm not going to you know, just spend all my time here. And you know what? I'm not against deliverance. I'm not against demon healing. I'm not against that stuff, but I'm not going to just set up a line for those who are, you know, over and over again and spend my whole day, my week, performing exorcisms under the big tent so everybody can watch. You know what? I, I'm not against preaching the word of God. I'm not against praying for people, but I'm not going to spend 60, 80 hours a week just fulfilling prayer lines. No, I'll pray for people along the way. And I'm going to heal some people along the way. We see that in Scripture. And I'm going to deliver people along the way. We see that in Scripture. But listen, church, this is the big idea. And this is what we need to understand. Jesus was saying, I can't set up shop here in Capernaum. I can't do it because i got to go. 
I got to go to this town and this town and this town, and I got to go to this place and I got to go to this place and I got to go to that place, and I got to go and I got to open up the Word of God. I am the Word of God, and I got to go declare that Word. I got to go teach people that they need to hear the truth, and I got to share with them what the truth is. I got to call sinners to repentance. I got to get on the road. These people need to know the truth because only the truth can set them free. And then this is the final line, basically saying, and that is what I'm called to do. So what Jesus was doing was Jesus, go ahead and throw that next slide up, Mike. By the way, thank you, Michael, for all you do. Amen. And Monty. Throw that next one up there. Jesus pursues his calling, not his potential. He pursues after what he was called to do, not the potential of all that he could do. And what happens, it, what happens in, in, you know, it happens in business, it happens in ministry, it happens in our lives as well, is we do the opposite. We pursue our potential instead of our calling. We do, I was reading an article, actually it was, it was, please, I was not reading the Harvard Business Review. Um, it was an article in a, in, within an article that I was reading. And inside of that, they were talking about something really, I thought it was amazing. What they were saying is that when, what happens in, oftentimes in companies is companies, when the company gets successful, they, the, the article said that, that oftentimes companies become arrogant. And they think that because they're successful in one area, that they can be successful in every area. And in this business review article, they were saying that one of the most dangerous things for a business to do is to step outside of their area of specialization. One of the most common reasons for bankruptcy is businesses step out of the area where they were successful and start to do all the things that they could do. Because they get arrogant and think that because they were successful over here, that they can be successful in everything they do. And what happens is they step out of their specialization and then they fail. Why? Because they pursue their potential, not their calling. They begin to chase after all the opportunities rather than the handful that they should. And church, listen, that's true of us. That's true as individuals, just like it is a business. Listen, and Jesus said this. He said, there will always be the poor among you. So the thought that as a church we're going to eliminate poverty is just, it's not biblical. So we shouldn't try. We can't help everybody. But we can help somebody. And who's God calling us to help? Because church, there will always, in your life, in the life of our church, there will always be more things we can do than things we should do. Okay, there will always be more things that you as an individual, there will always be more things you can do than the things you should do. And one of the things that Satan will do is if he can't get you into sin, if he can't get you off into sin, he will get you busy. And he will get you so busy, not even doing bad things. He'll get you doing good things. In a, to, he'll get you doing a whole bunch of good things so that you don't do the great things that God has called you to do. Listen, he'll get you doing all sorts of good things so that you will neglect the first things. Because the enemy, he, he loves to the, make you think that you're just being so successful in doing all these things. And if he can keep you doing all these things, then we'll neglect the first thing. And sometimes the first thing doesn't look like the fun thing. 
But what the enemy knows is that if he can keep us from doing the first thing, he can keep us from finding joy. He can keep us from finding peace. He can keep us from being fulfilled. He can keep us from being purposeful because inside of the first thing is what you were created to do. And that's what God wants you to do. The tactic of the enemy, his trick, is to keep you busy doing all the other good things. And Jesus, Jesus had, there was a list of good things that he could do. There was a line of people that needed healing. There was a line of people that needed deliverance. There was a line of people that needed all these different things in all these different areas. And Jesus says, no. I'm not going to, that's not my calling. I am a preaching missionary. And I got to go. And I got to go preach. I got to go find these people in these different synagogues and all these different places because that is what my Father sent me to do. Now, how do we get that? Where do we find that? Church, your calling will only be fine. It will only come out of your time's of silence and solitude with the Lord. If you can't take the time to be still and know that he's God, you will struggle to find what your purpose is, to know what it is you're called to do. Listen, Jesus in this lifetime, he was, you know, we know that he's experienced every kind of temptation that we might have be tempted to. And so I know he was tempted in the same way. And I was thinking about this whole thing, reading through the scripture, and I was wondering this. This again, this is my wonder here. I wonder if Jesus, in this time, if Jesus had not taken the time to get up early. He got up early, church. After some, one of the most ex- exhausting periods of time in his life, what did he do? Got up early. Why did he do that? Because he wasn't interested in satisfying his flesh. Well, that got a really poor amen. <laughs> Jesus was more interested in satisfying his spirit. Come on, how many of us care more about our spirit than our flesh? Amen. That's what Jesus did. After a long, I went through it last week. I mean, exhausting time. He didn't sleep in. He got up early and went and spent time with the Father. And I was wondering if he hadn't done that. I wonder if he hadn't taken the time for that silence with the Lord, that time of solitude with God, if he hadn't had that day or that time or whatever it was, that time where he had just gone to to pray. You know, I mean, he probably left his iPad at home. He obviously didn't have his iPhone. And he just went off and spent time in prayer. He just spent time in the presence of the Father. He spent time, I'm sure, singing some psalms. I'm sure, I mean, again, I, don't, I, I would imagine because it's what you and I should be doing that he probably, whether he etched it in the side of a tree or on a scroll somewhere, I imagine he was doing some journaling of some kind. Maybe just writing in the dirt. He liked to do that. Jesus, I mean, imagine that, Jesus. The dirt, that's his notebook. And he spent time in that place just meditating and thinking through scripture and talking to the Father and hearing from the Lord, receiving that call of God in his life. I wonder if he hadn't taken that time, I wonder if on his way back into Capernaum, would he have had as much of a clear focus? 
Would he have been able to have just said, no, I'm sorry, that is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I can't do this. Would he, I guarantee you, he had to have been tempted because we're tempted with this all the time. But could he have been tempted to have just gone ahead? You know what? These are great things. Look at these people have set this all up. These people just want all this. They need all this. But Jesus didn't. He said, I can't. I can't do all these good things. Why? Because God, he told me to do something else. I went and I spent time with my father, and my father told me what to do. In church, that's you, and, and that's you and me. That's us. Do you know what God has called you to do? Do you have that clear call in your life? People come up to me all the time. Pastor, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm called to. I can't tell you what you're called to. I can tell you what I need you to do. But I can't tell you what you're going to People, oftentimes people will say, I just don't know what my purpose is. And man, I totally understand. But I can't tell you what those things are. You got to go to God. You got to get yourself apart with him. You need to go sit in some silence. You need to go to the mountains and spend some time letting God bring some download into your spirit and go there by faith and to do that, to go get into God's word, to go open up the Bible and start to seek and to search and to see what God has to say to you. Begin to write down some things and begin to write down the answers to some of the questions that you need to ask. I'll share with you some of the things that, that I go through when I'm just trying to get alone with God and some of the questions. I'll ask God, well, you know, well, who, who is it, Lord, in the Bible that I can most relate to? Who is it that, that I'm the closest to in the Bible? And, and then when I feel God speaking or leading me, I'll start to read about that person and read what they did, read what they went through and start to glean from some of that, some of the ideas, some of the thoughts that God has for me, help to indicate some of the skills in my life and some of the things that I may not see. And I can find that in the word of God as I begin to look at some of the characters that God brings into my life through the written word of God. God, asking God this, ask him, Lord, God, what is my passion? Do you know? I mean, truly and honestly, you may not like the answers that you find because you may find that when you ask God, Lord, what is my passion? He's going to give you a whole list of all these worldly things that you're passionate about. And you're going to have to say, God, where are you on that list now? Forgive me, God. I got I to gotta get rid of this and I got to get rid of this and I got to get rid of this. Now you're talking about lifestyle transformation. God, what am I interested in? What is it, God, that I'm interested about? What are the things in my life that I need to look at? What am I good at? God, what am I good at? Asking him these things. God, where is it, Lord, that there's a need? What is it, God, that you want me to do? What have you already used me for? What is it, Lord, that you can, you can use me again for? Jesus, what is it that I need to be doing? And write those things down, and then write down the answers. Do you really, if you really want the answers, 
God, where are the the corners of your kingdom? Where are the niches? Where are those places, Lord God, that my skill sets and the things you've created me to can make a difference? Where is it, Lord God, that I can be the most effectively utilized for your kingdom and for your purpose? Ask yourself this, God, how can I help others? God, how can I expand the gospel of Jesus Christ? Lord God, how can I progress the gospel? How can I serve my church? Asking. What, of course God would want you to, in those areas, be involved. Of course he would. But let me tell you, those answers will only come out of times of silence and solitude with God. And I, and I can tell you, as, as a guy, I, that's the only way that I could ever live my life or at least come to the place or point where I am today. My whole life has been geared by this, come out of this. I, I mean, down to the very you know, roots of who I am. God, I, I got saved later in life. I got saved when I was, you know, for some it may seem like later in life. Right now it sure doesn't sound like later in life. I got saved when I was 27 years old. And at the age of 27, man, God just moved into my life in a powerful way. But to that point, I, I lived a lifestyle that was filled with sin and sinfulness, and self-hatred, I mean, self-just really, because I was destroying myself. And my lifestyle was a mess. And I'll tell you what, man, just like all of you, I know, we all have these sinful lifestyles, but God came, Jesus saved me. Jesus came to where I was and saved me. I, I, I mean, it was just amazing. And, and God just came in and started to just turn things around. But I didn't know what he was turning around. I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know what was going on. And so I did, the first thing I did was I had to go out and get a Bible. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what a Bible, the only Bible that I'd ever seen was this big giant white Bible that said Holy Bible on it, that sat on in, my, in, the, in the formal living room and nobody was allowed to touch it. That was the only thing I knew about a Bible. And so in that day, it was the Christian bookstore. And we had to go to the Christian bookstore. And so I went in all by myself. I knew I just, I needed a Bible. And so I went in and they had these shelves filled with Bibles. I thought I needed a Bible. I didn't know that I had to just, you know, pick a version. I didn't know there was more than one version. I didn't know, I didn't, why are, it was like amazing to me, because I'm looking at some of the Bibles, why are some of the Bibles like that thick? And some of them are only like that. I want one like that. I want, I, I want the condensed version, like Reader's Digest version. I thought that would help me to, you know, so I'm asking all these questions of the lady in the Christian bookstore, and, and, and she's like, you know, I'm sure she's thinking, do you even know how to spell Bible? Because, <laughs> and so I ended up with, I'll never forget it, I, I spent like, uh, like 40 bucks on it. It was an NIV leather-bound study Bible. Which again, I made the mistake of buying one without the tabs. Oh, man. I was so embarrassed. I thought, I'm taking my big new Bible to Bible study. And, and there was about six of us in this Bible study. And, uh, and he said, open up to Isaiah. 
I mean, by the time he got done reading, I, I'm still looking for where Isaiah is. <laughs> I think I might even have asked, what page number is that? So again, I had to get this Bible, and, and, and as I started to read my Bible, God was bringing these things about in my life. God was bringing these places of conviction in my life. He was showing me these things that I had to stop doing. I had to stop, I had to stop sleeping around. I had to stop partying. I had to, I, not, again, at this point, it wasn't that I had to. It was now that I got to. Praise God. Thank you, God, for sharing this with me. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life. My lifestyle was sinful, and God was showing me how to walk in a lifestyle that was set apart because what I started to realize in reading my Bible is that Jesus Christ died for me. Not, not, it wasn't about everybody. It was, he died for me. He went to the cross for me. He went into the grave for me. He rose up out of that grave. He did all of that just for me. And now I found out by reading my Bible that now I belong to him. That was great news because when I belonged to me, I screwed me all up. And so I was reading and, and I started, I'll, again, I'll never forget this. I started in, in I was going through Romans. And I didn't know any better, so I started in Romans 1. And I started reading, and I got to verse 6. And it was like this, you know, one of the, 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 this revelation kind of thing that goes off. And I remember writing all this stuff down. Man, I used to journal so much more than I do now. I, I, I just, again, God's conviction is always there. That, you know what, journal more. Put more things down. Not just, just write these things down. And in verse 6, it says, And you also were called to Christ Jesus. You belong to him. It says in, there, it says in that verse, it says, I belong to Jesus Christ. God was literally calling me to himself. And after that, it began to make me wonder and ponder these things and, and start to think on these things and to take the time to, God, you know, that means my whole life doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to you. And that means that these hands don't belong to me anymore. They, they belong to you. And, and my mind doesn't belong to me anymore. It, it belongs to you. And my days don't belong to me anymore. They they belong to you. All these things are going through my mind because if this one truth was true, then all of these other things were truths as well in me and they were coming into my life. Jesus, that, mean, that means that, that everything I make, all my money is your money. All these things are going on. God, I belong to you. Well, if all that is true, this is the question that I started to ask myself. Well, what do you want me to do? What do, you, what do you want me to do? You ever stopped and asked God, started to ask him, Lord, what is it that you're calling me to? What do you want me to do? And I started to ask that question. Again, the answers didn't just come flowing. It wasn't like everything started to happen. But I'll never forget, we were on a men's retreat, and I can't remember a whole lot else about the whole trip, but I, I'll never forget this. We were at this men's retreat, and we were in Cornville, Arizona, at this retreat center in, in Cornville. And uh, 
And I'm asking God, I'm off on a walk and I'm just alone and I'm, I'm just asking God, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is it, God? And it was like the first time that I had ever had God like, speak to me. And God spoke to me. It wasn't like an audible voice. And let me just say this. I cannot tell you, church, that when you go to be alone with God, you go to set yourself apart. Great, I'm going up to the mountains this afternoon. I'm gonna hear from God. I can't promise you that God's gonna speak to you like that. I can't, listen, I cannot tell God what to do. And to be quite honest, we shouldn't be going to the mountain just because, God, I want to speak. I want you to speak to me because that's all about us. God, I'm going to the mountain to get filled up. You can speak to me in your timing. You'll speak to me. And listen, you'll go to the mountain and you'll by faith say, okay, God, you're just filling me up in this time. You're just filling me up in this place. Sometimes it just feels like boredom. And God's just filling me up in this time. I'm just setting it apart, God. Thank you for all that you're doing in my life. Thank you for filling my heart. Thank you for giving your word to me. Thank you for what you're doing. And I, and I was just doing that. And, and God literally spoke to me in that moment. It wasn't a voice, but I knew he spoke to me. And he said, preach the Bible. Pastor my people and raise up sons. I, I, again, I, I knew that I knew that God had spoken to me as clear as day. And people will ask, well, what did it sound like? I, I can't tell you what it sounded like. All I know that is that it was authoritative. It wasn't God giving me a holy suggestion. This was something God said, Mark, this is what you're here to do. Go out there, preach the Bible. Shepherd my people. And raise up sons. Well, how do you know it was God? It sure sounds like something God would say. I, I can pretty well guarantee that isn't what the devil was telling me to do. I knew it was God. And in that moment, it was like this red line in my life. It wasn't, my life wasn't about my marriage. It wasn't about my kids. It wasn't about, it was this red line in my life that this is what I knew that I knew that I knew. I had this direct call from God and this was the purpose of which I was here. And that's what, I, again, I set off and, and began to endeavor to do. And I will be honest, I haven't always been perfectly on course with that. I have gotten off course. I've gotten off course with this. I mean, there was points and times where in my life and in the ministry where we set off into areas that I thought these were good things to do. This is what cheat churches do. And we went off and started doing things that churches do. And God always brings me back to this place where he says, but that's not what I called you to do. And we were at one time at a conference, Pastor Trevor and I, we went to this model man conference by Larry Stockstill. Amazing guy. But this whole thing came flooding back in. I mean, I had to spend some time in repentance and I'd gotten off into areas, Lord, I shouldn't have gotten off into. And God just reiterated this call in my life. And so now when opportunities come, when things come up that we have a chance, we have an opportunity, we can do this or we can do that or Mark, you can go here or you could go there. Listen, I, I come back to this. It, does this have anything to do, Lord, with me preaching the Bible, shepherding your people, raising up sons? If it doesn't, then I don't want to do it. And, and I can very easily say no. Those aren't bad things. Missions trips. Sorry, that's not what God's called me to do. So I may go on a missions trip, but I'm not going to be a missionary. 
because that's not what God's called me to do. Now, some of you, that is what God has called you to do. Praise God for that. But that's not what he's called me to do. And God has always, even when I've gotten off track, God has always been faithful to bring me back onto track, to bring me back to what God is doing. I thought maybe you are giving me an avocado. God has just always been faithful to that. And he brings me back. And honestly, it's because there is this place of clarity. Do you have that? Well, God's no respecter of persons. He, it wasn't like he's just doing something special or specific for me. He does that with all of us. And we need that. You need that kind of clarity in your life. And listen, it may not come in the times in the mountain. It will come from that filling up that you receive when you set yourself apart in that still quiet time in the morning, that time that you take to get away for an hour or two or those extended times that you take. That's where you'll fill yourself up and you'll find that God may not speak to you about those things in that moment, but then there's a point in time when you're on your knees before God just crying out and you'll just hear his voice. You'll know that you know. You'll be reading through the Bible and you'll see something there and it'll just come alive and you'll say, that's it. That's what God's calling me to do. That is my clarion call. That's the clarity that I've been looking for. Or you'll find in an experience where God gives you something to do, or there's an opportunity that comes up right before you, and God in that moment speaks and says, this is it. It'll come out of these places, but church, it will all, and only it will flow from times where you retreat from your life so that God can help you focus on your life. He can recenter you on what it is that he's called you to do, that you can go away and you can get that focus and be filled up with him. Why? So I can go back and re-engage in the ministry that God has called me to and love his people and minister to the glory of God. Pouring yourself out in your life. But church, what happens is when we don't have a sense of calling, when we don't know what our purpose is, people will exchange busyness for fruitfulness. Now, if I don't know what to do, I'll just be busy doing everything. Christians do that all the time. I'm so busy, I'm busy, I'm so busy doing this, I'm always stressed out, I'm always busy, I'm always going, going, going. Yeah, but you're not fruitful. You're more like a crazy person. Killing yourself, going back and forth. Oh, we're just frantic, we're frazzled, we're always upset, we're always busy, we're always sweating, we're always active, we're always stressed. Yeah, and you're doing all of that and accomplishing two handfuls of jack squat. Church, God wants us to be fruitful in our ministry, not getting running crazy, getting nothing done. Or what happens is people will take on 10 tasks and do them partially. Rather than taking the two things that God is really calling us to and really making it excellent. Starting and completing. Come on. Oh, come on. You know what? We have, there's a lot of ministry starters. Without that clarion call, you won't be a ministry finisher. And God is interested in people finishing that race. The, listen, the key to our life is fruitfulness, not busyness. But too many people exchange busyness for fruitfulness. And let me just say, this is not, I'm not, praise God for people that have stepped up and done things in the church. There's a lot of people that are running around busy, 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 because there's a lot of people running around doing absolutely nothing. 
Okay, I, I'm, again, sorry, there's a lot of people that are, they exchange busyness for fruitfulness because they feel like they have to because there's so many people that are doing absolutely nothing. And I can tell you, listen, I can't tell you the specifics of what God has called you to. I can't do that. A lot of ministries that are, and, and religions that try to do that. I can't do that. I won't do that. You need to get a word from God. I can tell you where there's a need, you have to get the call from God. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, and I want you all to listen, okay, because I'm going to tell each and every one of you something about the call of God in your life right now, and this is a guarantee. There's not one of you in this place that God has called you to do nothing. Amen. Not one. So church, we got to decide that we're going to set our lives in the path that Jesus has. Because Jesus, listen, he had this absolutely set before him. Jesus, we'll keep you busy. Jesus, we can do this. No, 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 no. Listen, that's not my calling. I need to be fruitful. I need, I'm a preaching missionary, and I need to go out. That's who I am. I got to go travel. That's why the Father sent me. And that kind of clarity is the clarity that we need. Amen? Amen. Let me finish up with this. There's a, a book that I, I've read and been reading. It, it's called Leading on Empty. It's a, it's a book about stress and burnout. If you ever want to get a, an inside look into the ministry, into what it looks like in the ministry, what, what you could expect if you ever went into the ministry, pick the book up and read it. It will help you, it will certainly help you understand because what this guy talks about, he's a pastor that wrote this book, and uh, what, he, what he talks about in there, I mean, there's not a page in that book I did not identify with about trying to lead on empty. I mean, it, it really is a, an amazing book about burnout. I, <laughs> I read it daily. But in this book, he says there's, there's four ways in which we can live our life. Four things that we can do. And I just want to share these just, just quickly with you. First, the way in which we can live our life is by reaction. Church, reaction is that when there's a need, you jump. Someone's hurting, you help. Someone pushes, you submit. Someone demands, you will obey. That's because you're always in reaction mode. You're gonna, what your life is just set by reacting to what others tell you, what others say to you, what others expect of you. It's go, 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 go. And when you're in reaction mode, all you do is go, 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 go. You never take the time to be, 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 be. To be still. We can't do that because nobody wants you to do that. We don't take the time in this reaction mode to pull back and to be with Jesus because people are expecting things of us. We let everybody else, when you're in reaction mode, you let everyone else tell you who you are, tell you what you're supposed to do. It's just reacting from one person to the next. And we get in for the, we'll find our life is just filled. When we're in reaction mode, our life is just filled with chaos and crisis, and we don't have any plan. We, we're, we're filled with the urgent things. Let me tell you, you know what the, 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 one of the greatest detriments to the important things in your life are? The urgent things. The urgent things are the things that will cry out for your attention. Things like your checkbook. It will cry out for your attention where the most important things usually won't until it's too late. 
You want to focus on, you, you can't live your life from one urgent thing to another. It feels like, and it is, a complete, total insanity in my life. Life's out of control. That's reaction. And then there's number two, which is conformity. Conformity, honestly, conformity is this. It's fear of man. It's being a people pleaser. Nobody wants to be in that area, but there's many that are. I want to be liked. I want to, so I'll be nice. I want, to, I want people to say nice things about me. I want people to, to smile. I, I, I'm kind to people then. I'm, anybody comes around, tells me to do something, I'm ready to jump. I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to go. I'll go do this and I'll go do that. We are, we are obedient and moral and compliant and super sweet and really nice and totally ineffective. I, again, I was thinking about that. And really, what you, it's, it's rather than like the call of God in our life, we're more like a golden retriever. And whoever throws the Frisbee, we're just going to go get it. It doesn't matter. Oh, you need this? Okay. I need to do that? Okay. You want me to go there? Okay. You want this from me? I'll do that. You, this person needs help. This aunt's, uncle's, cousin's, set me. I'll go. Sure. No problem. Great. And we're spending our life chasing Frisbees. Because that's what people expect. And oftentimes in church... It's like, well, they're so nice and they're so sweet and they're so helpful and they're so serving. No, they have fear of man issues. They're people pleasers. They're codependent enablers. In church, they're just looking for everyone to like them. And again, we can slip into this. Please see, I, I, want, I want us to recognize this, not for condemnation, but for conviction. And so the result then is in that place, we just want everybody to like us, so in that result is we won't pursue God's call because we're allowing everyone else to define our call. In church then, number three, there's independence. Those who are independent. Those who are independent are those that are sitting back going, you know what, that's right. I'm not going to submit to that authority. No, 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 I'm not going to be a member of that church. I'm going to come in late, and I'm going to leave early. They're not going to go, you know what, that pastor, he's always trying to tell us what to do. He's always ending with, go do this, or go do that, go, go pray. Go. I'm not doing that. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm not going to submit myself to a pastor. Are you kidding? I'm not going to let that, I, listen, get into a life group? Forget it. I'm not going to get close with those people. No way, I'm not going to do that. I don't, wanna, I don't want people speaking into my life, knowing my business. I don't want to do that. I just want to come anonymously. I want to leave anonymously. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't like something. I'll complain about it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Usually the independents are the ones who will complain about things they don't like, but they'll only complain to the people that are around them, not to the people that can actually make a change. Because I'm not going to be any, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And yeah, I read the Bible, I do, but I don't always like the Bible because, you know what, God sometimes tries to tell me what to do. <laughs> he tries to tell me what to do, and I, you know what, I don't need, I, I, I am the smartest person I know. Oh, we do that. I mean, church, we do. I, I don't always like that. Uh, the independents are those who are fiercely independent and, and, and rebellious, intuitively rebellious. Too cool for school kind of people. The independents. And, and again, most of us come out of this category of one sort or another, so please, those who don't, 
you can have lunch together at Denny's somewhere, but that's about how many there probably are. But most of us struggle this whole time. I don't believe in authority. Yes, you do. You just don't want to submit to God-given authority. But you have authority in your life. You look at it every morning in the mirror. You look at that God and say, what do you want today? What are you, what are you asking me to do today? And it becomes all about me. I do what I want. I do what I think. I do what I need. I'm in control. I'm in charge. I'm the one. That, I'm the smart one. Oh, I'm connected to God. We have this relationship. But we, just, we understand each other. Well, not really, because you're saying, I don't understand you as God, and he's saying, you need Jesus. You get in this place, no one has the right to tell me, and true to my life, no one's going to tell me who and what my spiritual authority is going to be. That, listen, that's independence. And that's the way in which a lot of people in church live their life. Again, maybe not as brazen as all of that. Please, I am absolutely going over the top with that for some <laughs> but church the last one is, is intentionality and Jesus was tempted he's tempted in every way that we were so he was tempted to live in these first three he was tempted to live in that place of reaction just reacting to the imagine the massive need that Jesus was experiencing when he came back into Capernaum at this time but you know what he didn't react to everyone's needs Come on, he did not react to everyone's needs. He was tempted with conformity. Well, everybody wanted to write his job description. Everybody wanted to tell him what he needed to do. Everybody wanted to tell him what it was, but Jesus wouldn't sign that contract. And Jesus certainly could have been tempted in his flesh with independence. How easily it would have been. Oh, you know what? I'm sick of you people. I mean, all you do is you just, I cast demons out and you won't even get me lunch. I, I go for a rest and I go to Peter's house and I have to heal somebody before I can even go to the bathroom. And then you guys bring all these people in. Nobody stops them. You're just letting all these people in. Don't you care about me? Don't you care about what I've gone through? Don't you care about how exhausted I am? Don't you see that I need a break? Why is it that you people are so unappreciative? Why is it that you always want, want, want? Nobody cares about me. Nobody's thinking about me. All you all want to do is use me. Can't you imagine that Jesus would have been tempted in that way? Because to me, it seems like that's all the people wanted to do. Use him. But you know what? He didn't rebel. He didn't conform. He, he, didn't, he didn't become jaded and independent. He didn't become one of those people. Listen, he didn't become one of those people that hates ministry, that hates God's people, but loves God. Let me just tell you, biblically, you can't do that. No, Jesus did this. He chose to live with intentionality. A point where he poured himself out in ministry and he repeatedly set himself apart. You see it repeatedly through scripture. He retreated from his life to go to be with the Father so that he could organize his life. He could focus on what God was calling him to. That he could go and be refilled with God. Why? Why? So he could re-engage life. 
so that he could go out and he could go pour himself out in ministry again and then set himself apart in silence and solitude so that God the Father could fill him back up so that he could go. And, and some of you need to be doing this, church. To go set yourself apart like Jesus did so you can think about the calling on your life, the gifts that God's poured out into your life, the conviction that he's giving you and what you should do about it. You could go hear from him what compassion is and what he's given for you to do. What are the needs that are around you and what does God want to use you in? And then from those times when we hear from him, then we come back into life and we live intentionally. Amen. We choose how we're going to live. And we're going to live by the call of God. We're going to live by the purpose of God in our life. Yes, I will do this. No, I can't do that. And this is scary for me to say because we are a church that has a lot of things going on. But there are some of you that need to start saying, no, I can't do that. Amen. And I am not encouraging anybody to lazy. All right, I said earlier, none of you have the call to nothing. Okay, we need to do that. God, I, some of you need to say, no, I can't do that because God told me to do this. Not just, uh, no, no, I'm not doing that. No, I can't do that because I have this clarion call. And Pastor, this is what God, you know how much, how much easier it would be for me to do what God has called me to do? Rather than being a manager of the house of God to being able to serve people and help in the call in their life, to serve people, to help them into the works of the ministry if people were actually doing the works of the ministry? I, I mean, as pastor, I spend most of my time trying to encourage people just to get into doing something in the ministry. It'd be so much easier to do my job what God's called me to do if people were actually doing the works of the ministry and I could come alongside and begin to serve and begin to help and begin to help make a way and begin to support. But we need to have that clarion call to say, you know what, that's not my gift. Or this is one. No, pastor, you know what? I'm not good at that. This is what I'm good at, though. This is what I'd like to do. No, this isn't going to work for me right now, but maybe in the future. But I'm going to set out and fulfill the call that's got in my life. And listen, church, that only works, and worship team, come on back up, please. That only works according to, according to God's design. That only works when everybody is doing their part. Otherwise, there's all sorts of slack and all sorts of holes and all sorts of places where the puzzle pieces aren't fitting together. Like Pastor Trevor talked about. This only works when the, when the puzzle pieces fill in and start filling in and taking their place. People start intentionally living their lives, intentionally doing what God has called them to do, pursuing the very thing, the very gift that God has given them, what it is that God has called you to. Because we've spent time with God, we heard his voice, we know what he said, he's filled me up, and I am energized, and I am ready to go. Most of us are, are depleted and empty. Because we're not taking the time to go to the holy gas station and get filled up. We need to learn to live our lives how Jesus lived his life. 
and to do it. Not to think about it, but to do it. Okay, because you said Christianity is not just a belief system. It is a lifestyle. What is God calling you to? And church, listen, begin as Jesus did. He poured himself out in ministry. He poured out everything he had. What is the ministry in your life? What is it that God is calling you to? Where is he calling you to minister as he ministered? What is it that God wants you to do? Pour yourself out in it. And don't just sit back and say, well, I don't know, so I guess I don't need to do anything. Start pouring yourself out into a need. Pour yourself out into a place. Let God take a moving car. It's a lot easier to steer it than one that's just sitting still. And then take the time. Make the time. Set it apart daily, weekly, monthly, or or, or at least quarterly. Take the time to set it apart with Him. To go, not on a pleasure thing, but on a God fill me up thing. Where we go into a time of silence and just solitude before Him. God, speak into my life. Fill me up, Lord God, with Your will. Fill me up with Your Spirit, O God. I need the refreshing that can only come in You. Help me, Lord God. And then church, pursue your purpose. Not your potential. Do what God's called you to do. Not all the things you can do. Because if you fill yourself up doing all the things you can do, it will degrade your calling to to fulfilling the things you're called to do. Do that. Don't, listen, don't do everything you can. But church, do the things God wants you to do. Do it. Listen, do what God created you to do. Stop shirking shirking that responsibility and do what God has created you to do. Well, I don't know. Listen, I can tell you this. This is a word for each and every one of you. Listen, I want you to listen up because this is the word of God over you. You are God's workmanship. And you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. So do it. Do it on purpose. Do it for the purpose. Come on, let's just ask him right now. Will you pray with me? Lord, I lift up each and every one of the wonderful men and women in this place today. And I pray, Lord God, that you would begin to move on their hearts, that you would help in the commitment, Lord, to do what you've called us to do. Help us today, Lord. Lord, here I am. Send me, Lord. Come on, just tell him. Lord, here I am. All that I am is yours. If if you're not born again right now, just ask him to come into your life. Tell him, Lord, I've sinned. I'm a sinner. My lifestyle is filled with sin, and I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I need to be cleansed because I want a life that's on purpose. I want a life that's lived for your glory. I want a life that's lived serving others. I want a life, Lord, that's not just all about me because when it's been all about me, I just screwed it up. 
I want a life that's all about you, Lord. Come into my life right now. Heal my heart. Bring me salvation, Lord. I need you, God. And for others of you that today you're just empty. Man, you, and you haven't been able to figure out what's going on. Why am I so drained? Why does it feel like the life has just been sucked out of me? I pray for revival in you. I pray that God would revive in you the spirit of the living God, that he would move to fill you with his Holy Spirit and lead you to these places that Jesus is calling you to. Well, some of you need some quiet time. Some of you need to just, you know what, cancel what you had planned for this afternoon and just go spend some time in the mountain just to go be alone. Some of you need to make a decision right now. But everyone in this place today needs to make a choice, a decision to say, Lord, I'm going to set that time apart with you. And the Bible says he's a jealous God. Yet we think that we know better than God. No, I don't. Listen, I could have talked with you a lot today, church, about Sabbath and, sabbat uh, and sabbaticals, and I could have gone into all of that. You know, God called on the seventh day. He called a Sabbath. You know why? Because he had just spent six days doing all the things that you and I can't do. There's nothing that God did in those first six days that you and I can do. Nothing. You can't create anything like he did. Nothing. And God said, after doing all the things you and I can't do, he said, and today God rested. He took a day of rest. And then he called you and I to do the same. Yet we say, well, God, I'm too busy for that. And God's like, oh, are you kidding? I took six days and did all the things you can't do. And I gave you to do six things that are way beneath that. And I took a rest. The only thing in all of creation that you can do that's like God is rest in the creation process. And when we won't do that, we think that what we're doing in our six days is more important than what God did in his six days. Don't be that arrogant. Make a commitment right here, right now. Lord, I'm going to take these times of rest. Lord, I'm going to start this afternoon. I'm going to start first thing tomorrow morning. Lord, I'm getting up early tomorrow. I'm setting my alarm clock for earlier tomorrow. And I'm going to get up and spend time with you. Not just time on the road, but time, Lord, on my knees. Time in your presence. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to take the time to get filled up because my coworkers need you. The people at my job site, they need you. God, I'm going to ask you tomorrow, give me a word. Give me something from your scripture, Lord. Help me. Speak to me. Lord, I need to be filled up because I am empty and I've been drained at work. And I pray that you'll forgive me that I haven't taken the time that you've called me to. And I pray that you will do that, Lord. Give me what I don't deserve. Lord, your mercies are renewed each and every morning. I want to be a partaker of mercy. You need to make a commitment, church, and this week sometime to find a couple of hours where, or some time where you can just schedule it apart and go or do or be just someplace quiet with no distractions, nothing around you. Just go and, and spend that time just with a notebook and God, the Bible and God, some worship and just God. I, I want the church to arise in her purpose 
And that means that the individuals, the body, need to be rightly fitted in the purpose that they have. So Lord, I pray that God, you would move in the commitments of each and every person. God bless you. Listen, church is not over. Church is about to begin. Go be the church. Amen? God bless you. I love you. Let's uh, sing this as we get ready to go minister the gospel of Jesus. to you.